back. I have uh, 30 years worth of records, computerized records on what I preach, where I preach, what text I preach, listed five different ways. I didn't even go back and look. I felt so moved to do this text today. I may have done this before. I don't remember if I've done it or not. And the older I get, the less I remember. I didn't even remember uh, just simple things now. But as long as I don't forget Jesus, amen. I do remember to eat. I'm going to go on, amen. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 17 is a text passage. Isaiah 54, 17. The devil and his people, and by the way, he has his people, have fought God with all they have had since uh, Cain rose up and killed his brother Abel. This raging war between good and evil is, he, is heating up, by the way, to its final confrontation in a place called Armageddon. I've been there. The Valley of Armageddon. Interesting. But that's where it's going to culminate, where the nations of the world are going to come against, really not so much Jerusalem, as they're going to come against Christ. The Bible said he's going to come down, uh, Revelation chapter 19 is where all that's found, and he's going to slay them with the word of his mouth. And then take possession of this old world, and a new city is going to come down from God called the New Jerusalem. It's 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. a big old place. And uh, we're going to live there. And we're going to dwell with him and reign with him. He's going to have us do stuff. What's he going to have us do? He hadn't told us. But he told us he's going to have us do stuff. I know God's a worker. He likes to work. I like to work. Well, I feel sad for people who don't like to work. Because work's the majority of this life. And if, you just, if you're lazy, you've got a rough road to hoe. But if you work, God will bless you with all kinds of good stuff and uh, gives you work. And just because you get retired don't mean you quit working. You just do some other kind of work. And thank God for, by the way, the retired people maintaining this church in a lot of ways, voluntarily maintaining oh so much around here. Paint, help paint this place. A lot of retired people help paint this place and do so much of the work around here. Thank you, by the way. Thank you for not quitting on God just because you're past 65. But I'm encouraged by the Bible. If you ever start getting scared about what's going on around you, go to the Bible. Go to the Bible. In Isaiah 54, 17, it says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. I don't know about you, but that just does a whole lot for me. Because if you watch, if you watch fake news, if you watch the main media, we're, we're, in, an, we're in a down spiral of, of it's going to completely, everything's gone. In fact, one guy... One guy frustratedly said on, on the new major news media, they said, Trump has ruined, just all but ruined, the new world order. That's the one world order. That's, that's nations with no borders. That's uh, the one world order that the devil is going to take over and command for a while, called the tribulation period. And he said, Trump's ruined. They're, they're upset about that. Are they upset or are they upset? They're crazy upset. They're lunatic upset. Well, I, heard, I heard something this week said, don't wear that MA, Make America Great, MAGA hat because I, I have a, 
it, when people, I see that MAGA, Make America Great Again, had it, make, gives me have help, heart palpitations and shortness of breath, and I begin to have cold sweats. Now, man, oh, man. When I see, uh, when I see uh, Democratic stuff, I don't get nervous. I don't get shortness of breath. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just who we are, what we are going to do. We've got deposing sides here. But I thank God that the Bible gives his people comfort. There's no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, and by the way, they are their tongues are up against God in every way and everything his Bible stands for. That he shall thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. The righteousness is of me. Amen for that. Saith the Lord. And another passage is Proverbs 2130. I never got over this. This is the first time I read it. I just put it in my, man, it's just what a bullet God gives you in your gun. There is no wisdom nor understanding nor counsel against the Lord. There is no wisdom. There is no understanding. There is no counsel against the Lord. Psalm chapter, Psalm 2 and, and 1 through 4 says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? And that's what's going on. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, here's what they say, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. It's almost a quote out of the news. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. And that is the way it is. Let me show to you a couple reasons, at least biblically, why you can't beat God. You're not going to win if you oppose God. There's no counsel. There's no wisdom. There's no understanding against the Lord. There's no weapon that the devil can imagine that's going to beat God. I'm going to tell you, I'll give you a couple examples why. And out of the Old Testament, Second uh, Kings chapter 6, you want, we're going to be in chapter 6, chapter 7 a little bit. I'm going to try to give you the background of these passages, but I, as I was reading through my Bible, man, I ran across these passages again, of course, chapter 6, chapter 7, 2 Kings, and the Holy Spirit just gave me some comfort, and I want to share with you this morning. It's the case of, of the prophet Elisha and, and when he's in the city of Dothan. Now, the king of Assyria had been coming against the Israelites, and before he could do anything, Elisha would tell the king of Israel, well, they're going to come over in this place, so he'd be ready for them. And then he'd try another tactic, and God would tell Elisha, well, go tell the king they're going to come over in this place. So the king of Syria thought there was somebody within his group that was a traitor and that was passing out the information ahead of time. And, so he, and they said, no, it's, it's nobody within, within your own group. It's this guy called Elisha. Now he, know, he knows what you talk in your bedchamber. He knows what you're saying in your bedchamber. Now, really, that wasn't so. It was God knew what was the, this king was saying in his bedchamber, and he was telling his prophet, and the prophet was telling the king, and it was, give, you know, if you know the plans of the enemy before they happen, you got him. And so we pick this up in verse oh, 13 through 18, and, he, and the king said, go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. Now that wasn't, by the way, just to go get him, that was to, you know, probably kill him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, this guy Elisha is in a city called Dothan. Therefore sent he hither horses and chariots and a great host. 
Now they're going for one guy. They came by night and they compassed the city. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, the host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And a servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Now without the understanding of what I'm preaching on today, this will be your reaction when the wicked come. Alas, what should we do? And you'll have heart palpitations. It'll bring on your AFib attack. It'll, it'll give you the cold sweats. And you'll wonder, oh, we're, everything's lost. We're lost. Everything's gone. That's what you say, like this servant did. If you don't understand the truth of what we're, what we're, t- what we're looking at here in the Bible today. Because he was full of fear. And by the way, this whole host of Syria with their chariots and their horses around this little city where Elisha was at. Elisha's not an armed man. I mean, you know, naturally to the natural man, this, that was a correct reaction. And Elisha answered and said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than that be with them. Now that's the reaction of somebody who understands God Somebody who knows his word, somebody who trusts him. That is a reaction, by the way. Sometimes when I hear, when I hear almost every major media and every major outlet uh, become anti-Christian, and they become anti-Bible, and they become anti-almost everything, I'm talking about even heterosexual marriage, or, and, and I'm talking about babies are not safe in their hands. And, and I mean, just some of the most hideous things in the world, they seem to be for, just against the things that have been accepted as, as true for over 6,000 6, years of human history. Wow. And I like what Elisha prayed. He said, Lord, I pray thee open his eyes that he may see. This is what each born-again believer in this room needs this morning. We need this badly, and we need it daily. Open my eyes, and I may see. See what? See spiritual things. See the reality of the universe. What's the real, and I'm being redundant, real reality of what's going on around us. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. He's probably the age of, of Corey Phillips. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. That would excite me. No wonder they that be with us are more than they be with them. See, through the eyes, through the spiritual eyes of understanding, Elisha understood that there was no way in the world that the, that the evil, the dark side, is going to win. They can't win. Because there's no understanding, and there's no counsel against God. There's no weapon that anybody's ever formed that can oppose God. Well, that's comforting. 
And when it came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and says, Smite this people. That is, the host began to come down. I pray thee with blindness. And he smote them with blindness, according to the words of Elisha. Now, the blindness that he smote them with was not the kind of blindness that you can't see what you, where you're walking, what you're doing. It's not perceiving reality. It's one thing to be blind physically where you can't see where to walk and what to do. You can't, you're blind. You know, but that's not the kind of blindness that God can give people. He gives the kind of blindness that they miss what they're looking at and they misunderstand the reality they're in. That's right. I told this story before about World War II. Germans came into, you know, they came into Poland and they came into those areas and took over. Well, you know, they're always are just common farmers, you know, and, and they would, they would, uh, t they had just gathered in. The guy that told me this was the son of the man this happened to. He was there, vi visually saw himself. And what the Germans would do is they would come into these small farms and they had stored up for the winter their corn and their beans and their various things and they had stored them up so that they could eat through the winter. You can't grow nothing in the winter. But the Germans would come and go farm to farm to farm to feed the troops, and they would go in there and they would raid these people's uh, winter store, and they'd take all of their animals and all their food and everything, and they wouldn't kill them. They would just leave them with no food, with no way to... And, and you know, in Poland, they got a long winter. And so this man was telling me, and he would tell me once in a while he'd stop and get choked up. He was, but when I was talking to him, he was probably he was an old man. He was in his sixties, and I was in my thirties. And he he seemed really old to me. Over the hill, shot, and so, but he would stop, and he would you could tell, he would just sit there and try to get his composure. You know, he's trying to tell this. I'm like, wow, what's going on? And so he'd say, you know, my, I I saw the soldiers come up, and as a you know as a kid. He was worried terribly. What are we going to eat, Dad? What are we going? Well, if they take all of our food, well, we're going to starve to death. Take all our animals. We 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 got nothing. We got nothing. So the two soldiers came up, and, and the kid knew that everything they had was stored in the barn. And there was two big old doors of the barn. He described to me. And he said the soldiers came up to my dad and says, "Open the barn." And the kid said, "Oh man." You know, they're going to take everything. When he opens those doors, he'll see all that food and everything, and they're going to take everything. And as he's telling me now, he stops again and he cries. I'm waiting for the next move. You know, what, what happened? What happened? And so he said, the two soldiers, they opened that barn. And both of them looked in there like that. And they backed up and says, well, there's nothing here. Shut the door. And then he cried again. He said that barn was full of food, but they didn't see it. He said, my dad had prayed, God save us. And then, oh boy, that's the kind of blindness these boys have. That's the kind of blindness God can do. The kind of blindness you don't see what's really there. And you don't perceive it. Now, how do you make a weapon against a God like that? How do you make plans against a God like that? You don't, do you? You know the problem why we worry and why we fret? It's because we just can't see. We can't see. 
We're like, we're like Elisha's servant. Alas, the sky is falling. And God says, no, it's okay. It's going to be all right. Another, I think of Moses in Hebrews chapter 11 had a similar experience. This is because by faith, Moses, when he was come a year, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had a respect and the recompense of reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured how? As seeing him who is invisible. God can give you the vision to see that which is invisible. It's a beautiful thing. And that's how he made it. And by the way, that's how you and I go make it. Whatever the future holds for your kids or your grandkids, or who, if you're young for you, Whatever this future holds, you can say, oh, preacher, the, the, the future, man, it looks crazy. This thing looks like, yeah, it does. But the God of all that is hasn't changed. God's spirit identifies with our spirit. He comes to you in a still, small voice. I love the passage in 1 Kings 19. Elijah runs from this woman, and, I, and when I see him, I want to talk to him about that. Runs from this little woman, Jezebel. And you know, after he kills 850 prophets of Baal and prophets of the grove, and, and God calls fire down from heaven, and he, and, he, and he prays for rain, and the rain comes, come on. This little woman says, by tomorrow I'm going to have you, you're going to be dead like they are. Man, he takes, he takes off south to Beersheba, been to Beersheba. He leaves his servant in Beersheba and goes further into the wilderness. Goes into a cave, he's shot. He says, Lord, I'm not worthy to live. Take me. I want to die. And the angel comes and strengthens him. And then God comes, wants to talk to him a little bit. And this is where we pick up in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11. He said, and he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord like a tornado. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. The Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entering of the cave. And behold, there was a voice came unto him and said, What dost thou hear? Elijah, in other words, what in the world are you doing running from this little woman? It don't look good, right? Now, that's in the Hebrew. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Romans eight fourteen says, for as many as are led of the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Romans 8, 15, 16 says, If you have not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The difference between you and them is that you've been born of the spirit of God. Jesus said you've been born again. The only difference between me and them is I've been born 
by the Spirit of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Do you believe that he died for your sins? Do you believe he was buried? Do you believe he rose again the third day? If you have simple childlike faith in Christ as your Savior and as the Savior, not one of many, but the Savior, the only one, God comes down, he bursts you, and he comes into you. And he'll never leave you, according to John 14, never to leave us, not even in heaven. He's going to be with me all the way from here out. I'm thanking God for that. And many times he comes, I would like him to come in the fire. I would like him to come in the whirlwind. I would like him to come in the earthquake. But most of the time he comes in that still small voice. For see, people that are really strong don't have to show their strength. It's people that are weak want to show their strength. People that are strong, they don't have to prove anything. You know, if, uh, you know, it, it, it reminded me of a story I saw. I saw a little YouTube where this road rage guy got crazy, you know, and he got mad at the guy in front of him and he pulled the guy over on the side and he got out of his car. This boy got out of his car going to go back there and rough that guy up that evidently cut him off or whatever till the guy got out of the car. The guy got out of the car. He was a heavyweight boxing champion of the world. He goes, wait a minute. Well, I'm sorry. Hey, man, I didn't know it was you. Well, then things got tough after that. That tough guy didn't have to prove nothing. He knew who he was. God don't have to go around beating people up. He comes in oftentimes to you in the most gentleness, the still, small voice. God witnesses to us. You can know the spiritual. You can know the invisible. You can have confidence as a born-again Christian. Paul said so. He said, I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. In Philippians 1.6, it says, being confident. We say that we quote this verse a lot. Being confident of this very thing, which he would have begun a good work in you, isn't going to forsake you halfway through. He's not going to forsake you when you get old. He's going to take you all the way to the end. He'll perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. So one reason that I, I agree with and believe with the Bible when it says there's no weapon formed against you shall prosper, I, I agree with that. One reason is when I see that God can, tr- can control what you see, he can control how you perceive reality. Well, you can't make a weapon against that. But there's more. There's more. Uh, in Second Kings, just the next chapter there, in verse 4 through 7, we see that Ben-Hadad, a Syrian, came up against a city called Samaria. I've been in Samaria. The old ruins of Samaria. And he came up against Samaria, and he was going to take it. And it was a walled city. And a lot of times to take a walled city, it'd take two, three years. The method was they'd camp around the city. They'd control everything coming and going. Nothing would come and go. And so they'd eventually outlast them. The food would go. And they were starving to death in Samaria, and it was terrible. The famine was awful. People were resorting to cannibalism. That's how bad it was. And yet the enemy had all the food they needed. Camped around about the city there. Well, there were four lepers. And four lepers, they got it bad in every, every direction. 
not only are they the enemy of the Syrians, but they're also lepers, and they're not allowed to be around the people inside, so they're going to die. They're shot. Here's what they say. In first, Second Kings chapter 7, it says, If we say we will enter into the city, then famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us fall into the host of the Syrians, and if they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. So basically they had a scenario of lose, 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 and so they said, let's just do it. We may win in the end, maybe they'll save us alive, but why would the Syrians save lepers alive? You know, wouldn't want to. So they rose up in the twilight and go to the camp of the Syrians, and when they were coming to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. Now, you wouldn't have a military situation without a guard, brother. You know that. You have guards. For the Lord, and this is the key verse, seven verse chapter 7, verse 6, For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and the noise of horses, even the noise of a great host, and they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites, the kings of the Egyptians, to come upon us. And wherefore they arose and fled into the twilight. They left their tents. They left their horses. They left their asses. Even the camp, that, as it was, they left it. And they fled for their life. Now that's being real scared. I mean, when you leave your horse... Seemed like you want your horse to get away faster, but they were so scared. Now, God did that. In verse 15, you go a little further, the king didn't believe it. The king says, you know, that's a ploy. You know, the lepers came back after they stashed their own little kind of steel. They came back and said, you know, we're not doing right here. The camp's empty. All the food's out there. You don't have to starve to death. Go ahead and go. And, and, and oh, no, no, that's not true. The king said, no. They're just hiding in wait. We're going to go out and they'll take us. So he sends a group of people and he says, and they went after them under the Jordan. And these, these Syrians took off across to the Jordan back to their country. And all the way was full of garments and vessels, which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. I mean, them boys were double scared. They didn't even want the garment, the weight of the garments that they had to hold them back. They were throwing their, they were throwing their garments off if they were too heavy and so they could run faster. So all along the way was their canteens or their, or their garments or everything. I would say that's real scared. Our God has the ability to deliver that way. He can, now listen to this, he can make you hear what's not there. He can make you hear what's not there. I think we're seeing it, and I think we're seeing it right now. He can make you see or not see what is or what is not there. And so how can you make a weapon? How can you oppose God who can do that? How can you do that? Satan's opposed God. His angels oppose God. People through the years have opposed God, but no one that opposes God's going to do well in the end. You can't. God's given people that oppose him time to realize their futility. He's given them time to realize the idiocy of it all. Time to realize that they're wrong and to turn back and to repent. He says repent, repent through all history. I think of what Jesus said in Luke 20. He says, Where, whosoever shall fall upon that, that stone shall be broken. And that's Jesus, by the way. He is a stone whom the builders rejected. But on whomsoever it shall fall, 
it will grind him to powder. When you get saved, you, are, you have to be broken and contrite and repenting of, repenting of your sins so you fall upon Jesus and you're broken. But he said, if you don't do that, eventually that stone, meaning Christ, is going to fall upon them and he's going to grind them to powder. There is one truth in the universe, and that is God. There's not two truths. There's not three. There's not four. There's not many ways to heaven. Biblically, there's but one. In Colossians 1, 16, it says, For by him were all things created. How many things? That are in heaven and that are in earth. Let's see if we cover it all here. Visible and invisible. That's pretty big, right? Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, the word all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him, all things consist. His creation can never overthrow him. His creation is not running out of control. God knows what he's doing, and everything he is doing, he has in his control. By him, all things consist. I can safely say to you today, the Satan's going to lose. I can safely say to you today, anybody who opposes God is going to lose. All those who raise their fist or raise their little finger to God in protest or protest what, the, what, they, what he teaches them through the word of God or don't want to accept, eventually someday, according to Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says every knee shall bow Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I, they won't be really forced to do that. What God's going to do at that time at the great white throne judgment is he's going to open their eyes that they really see themselves as he sees them and that they see him as he is. And when they see themselves as he sees them, and when they see him as who he really is and realize they have rejected him, they're going to fall upon their knees instinctively, automatically. Jesus, your Lord, your Lord. To the glory of God the Father. So I reiterate again this morning, there's no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. No wonder Isaiah said that in 54, 17. No wonder Solomon in Proverbs 21 said, there is no wisdom to understanding or counsel against the Lord. Christian, that does not give us an egotism. It does not give us any kind of overconfidence, but it gives us confidence that our path with the Lord God is a secure path. And that whatever may happen on the local setting and in your, in your life, God's going to take you home. And everything's all right in my Father's house. In my Father's house. Father, thank you today for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the security it gives us. Not pie in the sky. No, no. Reality. Pray, Father, the Word of God would penetrate the heart of maybe some folks here that have not yet trusted Christ their personal Savior. 
If they die today, they're not for sure they'd go to heaven. They cannot go to the Bible and say, I've trusted Jesus. This is a verse. Oh, may today you, that be the day you say, yes, I want to know. I want to know, I know. You can. These things are written unto you that you may know that you have the Son of God, that you may know that you're saved. The Bible's written for that. Help us help you. Maybe there's a Christian here this morning who will say, Brother Bill, I've been, to be honest with you, fretting. I've been worried. I've been, I've been maybe losing sleep, possibly having other, other symptoms of, of anxiety. Father, help. The Bible said perfect love casts out fear. If you love God and understand who he is, you're just, you're just going to cast fear out. You're going to say, I will not accept it. It's not right. I will not allow it to rule me. I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And God, you'll come and help us. Maybe there'll be somebody this morning that needs that. Lord, help us. You come to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.